the one and only Cliff Richard and the Hi, this is David Ghosty Wills, and welcome to the 11th episode of We Say Yeah, a monthly unofficial Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan podcast where we review and discuss every single EP and LP in chronological order. Now, before we get to this month's show with Cliff Richard Radio's Terry Hope, I wanted to read some feedback regarding our last episode with Anthony Rattuno, where we talked about two EPs and two singles from The Shadows. Ahmet wrote me at we say yeah podcast at gmail.com, and he says, Listening to episode 10, the inclusion of the live South Africa performances is great. My view on these is that as the shadow sound is unique, the shadow sound on this South Africa concert is unique compared to the general sound. I agree. You know, they just had more pep. That's not to say that the studio versions are inferior or anything, but there's just something exciting, right, about a live performance. And we also heard from Mark Cunningham over on our Facebook page. We say, yeah, over on Facebook. He says, really enjoyed this episode. Interesting to hear from a diehard Beatles fan with positive insights. Most Beatles fans I've come across in the past, including family and friends, totally dismiss any Cliff or The Shadows influence. And most still insist that Paul McCartney is dressed as Buddy Holly in the coming up video, which really annoys me. Yeah, it annoys me too, Mark. In fact, I think the two of us at some point should get together and do a whole episode as to why Cliff Richard and the Shadows are not talked about enough when it comes to the history of British rock and roll. I think we touched upon it in one of our past shows, but we should go all in (laughs) at some point and uh, maybe stir up a hornet's nest of intrigue and controversy in the process. Anyway, folks, thanks so much for that. By the way, you know, we get hundreds upon hundreds of downloads every month for We Say Yeah, but we only have about 300 some odd people over on the Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook or know someone who is and you want to like the page because we post a lot of great stuff and photos and trinkets and ephemera and memorabilia, go on over there to Facebook, look for We Say Yeah, like the page and you'll be all set. All right, so this month... To help review the Listen to Cliff album, I invited back Terry Hope, who, as you may recall, at the end of our first conversation, uh, Terry mentioned, oh, I put together the Thank You for a Lifetime to Sir with Love book. And I was like, what? I didn't know that. I I don't even have any questions prepared for that. So we rectify that terrible omission on my part on this episode. It does seem like every year for Cliff's birthday, fans do get together and do something creative to honor his birthday. So I began by asking Terry how the idea to do a book came about. It was coming up to Cliff's 80th birthday and um, everybody had done things like CDs and that type of thing. So I thought, no, it would be nice to do something different. And fans are always wanting to let Cliff know what they feel about his career and things like that. So I thought, well, you know, see if we can put a book together of messages from fans to Cliff. I spoke to Vic Rust, who you've had on before, and we sort of planned it all out and ended up with the book. And of course, the focus is on the fans, but you have a number of celebrities who write about Cliff in the book. Was that difficult getting a hold of them? Um, it started off quite hard, 
But we roped in one of our helpers, Jane Pinder, and gave her the task of contacting them. And she managed to get just over 30 celebrities. With some of them, it took a little bit of effort to get them to come on board. But most of them were really willing to take part and to send in a little message. Some were just a very short message. Others were quite a bit. But it was really great to be able to get some of the people that have worked really closely with him, like Hank Marvin and those sort of people who, you know, we really didn't think that we'd get anything from him. Well, I mentioned this on our Christmas show when I talked about the book. One of the aspects of it that I found really moving were fans who were making sure to include their memories or the names of fellow fans that they knew that had passed away. Maybe they went to concerts together and they were saying things like, I know if my friend Betty was here, she would want to be a part of this book. And I, I, I thought that was really, really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. well, we allowed people to sort of write what they wanted. The only things we weren't allowing were things like declarations of love and I want to marry you and things like that. <laughs> We'd rather fans give their opinion of what his career has done for them. You know, a lot of people will say, well, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just put Cliff on. And it totally changes things. And in no time at all, I feel so much better. And that's the thing that we were wanting to sort of relay in the book. You know, it just gave fans a chance to tell Cliff how they felt about the time that they've been a fan of his. I know that for a time the book was available on Leo's Den Music. Is it still there? It's no longer available there, but they can get it through me if they want it. And they email me at thankyouforalifetime at btinternet.com. All right, there you go. So let's talk about this album, Listen to Cliff, released on April 17th, 1961. It's no surprise, Terry, that I brought you back for this episode because much like the album we talked about, Cliff Sings, back on episode four, this is an album comprised of half standards with a big band and half pop rock songs with the shadows. I'll tip my hand here and say that I think Listen to Cliff is a little better than Cliff Sings. What do you think? Um, in some ways. Mmm, interesting. So do you have a preference? Not really. Um, in a way, I think they're pretty much on par. Well, let's start going through it. Track... I found that it was released on the 14th of April. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's my own bad handwriting there that I can't read. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm the same. <laughs> so the first track on the album is What I Say, which was recorded on March 4th, 1961. Of course, this was written by Ray Charles, and Ray Charles had a hit with it. Everybody on Earth seems to have recorded this song at one point or another. And I really enjoy this performance and I think it's inventive, it's unique. You know, so many covers of what I say are just carbon copies of Ray Charles' original. So I like hearing the Cliff Richard and the Shadows spin on it.
I see Ray Charles brought it in as a, a song at the end of one of his concerts, just to fill in time. Um, Cliff's version. Um, listening to it, just to remind myself of the songs, um, there's a lot of repetition in it, almost like a lot of the singers these days do. But it's a, it's a good little song. Okay, so are you familiar with TCB Cast? No. All right, so that's an Elvis Presley fan podcast. Great show hosted by Justin Gosman and Gurdip Ladar. Gurdip Ladar was a guest on uh, this program, but a few episodes back on their show, they talked about this version of what I say by Cliff and the Shadows, and Justin Gosman in particular pointed out that he felt that the oofs and the grunts in this song sounded like a cat coughing up a hairball. Now, let me just say that I have a pretty extensive knowledge of the history of rock and roll and rhythm and blues, and it is filled, that history is filled with people going oof and earth and variations thereof, and this really is no different from anything else I've ever heard before. It's not any more unusual or strange. I think Justin was a little over the top in his comments, and uh, I'm sticking up for the oofs on what I say. In a way, oh no, the grunts and things don't really fit, but I think when you actually sort of sit down and listen to the song, they give it that little bit of something, considering it wasn't a song that was originally picked for the album anyway. Justin will be pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I, that. I actually like the grunts and things. I, okay. <laughs> when you first listen to it, it's almost a case of what are they doing? But then when you do it again, you know, you consider, I think it's one of those that grows on you with the grunts. Okay. We have cut two. Now we're back in Cliff Sings territory with the Nori Paramore Orchestra. And it's a version of Rogers and Hart's Blue Moon, a song written in 1934 in something of an instant standard. It's been recorded by Billy Eckstein and Mel Torme, Joe Stafford, Ella Fitzgerald in the rock and roll era, Sam Cooke and the Platters, and not to mention Elvis, who famously recorded it for Sun Records. And the Marcells had a doo-wop version of this song, which became a big hit in the U.S. Uh, same year that this album came out. You saw me standing without a dream in my heart. Cliff's version was recorded on November 17th, 1960, and already, this is the first standard on the album, but already this is a more confident and better performance overall than a lot of the stuff we heard on Cliff Sings. Now, in a previous episode, we mentioned an EP, the Dream EP. I still think that Cliff got even better at that point. But here, this this is pretty good. And then suddenly there appeared before me The only one moms will ever hold I heard somebody whisper Please adore me And when I looked The moon was turned to gold Blue moon 
the whole album did take almost a year to put together. So I think he had the chance, depending on when the songs were actually recorded, he has had the chance to sort of improve things where needed. Yeah, that's interesting. This album, as you say, was recorded over a long period of time. I, I almost feel like this album was more assembled than recorded. And I noticed that they did a lot of these songs on television. And I almost wonder if this is like a collection of here are the songs we did on TV and now you can have them on an album. It, it almost has that kind of feeling to it. Anyway, the next song is my favorite True Love Will Come to You. Um, there's, <clears throat> like all of these, there's differences with the mono and stereo versions. The mono version is a little longer. I think the mono version is a little better. And uh, this song, especially the opening line, sounds like it was inspired by the 1953 hit by Nat King Cole called Pretend. Pretend you're happy when you're blue it isn't very hard to do And you'll find happiness without But aside from that, this is really a classic Cliff in the Shadows song for me. Pretend you're smiling when you're blue I actually enjoy it. I, I enjoy all the songs on this album. Um, yeah, it's got the two versions. It's got the stereo and the mono. It was written by Bruce Welsh with Peter Chester and is the first of five original tracks from the album. Cliff just seems to do it in true Cliff style. The next cut on the album is another Rodgers and Hart song. This is a strange record in a way because it's almost like Cliff sings the songbooks of Rodgers and Hart and Welsh and Chester. Uh, the song is Lover, recorded on January 11th, 1961. A little different from Cliff sings here in the sense that we have some up-tempo sophisticated adult pop because we're more accustomed to hearing Cliff sing ballads in this style. And it's also different because it's not Nori Paramore's orchestra. It's Bernard Ebbinghaus's orchestra. All of my future is in you And to resist you I try I hope you'll always continue to be mine Lover Please be tender while your tender fears depart Lover, please surrender to my heart Ooh, I say the devil is in you Yeah, while I was looking for stuff just to recap on the album, I also noticed him. Um, Nori Paramore obviously saw something in the Bernard Ebbinghaus Orchestra to use him. Yeah, I couldn't find out much about Bernard Ebbinghaus online other than he was born in Germany and emigrated to the UK and then worked extensively in films for a number of years, uh, arranging and composing film scores, which is where I guess the Nari Paramore connection comes in. And there's a bit of a Shadows connection in a way because he also uh, composed and arranged some music for Edgar Wallace Mysteries. So 
maybe he's the real man of mystery, but uh, he did he did work with Cliff later on. But getting back to Lover, it's never been a particular favorite of mine, no matter who's doing it. I, I, I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan, and I don't even like Sinatra's version of the song. I give Cliff credit for being able to swing with this arrangement because it's really all over the place. I think it's a good song, but it's not one of the better ones. I think one of the better ones is coming up next, and it's interesting because it's Unchained Melody. One of my uh, favorites. One of your favorites. I, I, you know, this shows up on compilations, too, so it's been singled out. Um, this was recorded on March 4th, 1961. Alex North and Hi Zaret wrote this song for film, and uh, Al Hibbler had a big hit in the States with this, and then, of course, the Righteous Brothers later on in the mid-60s. But... This version with the shadows is really, really good. Well, I first heard it when Matt Monroe sang it. Time goes by so slowly And time can do so much Are you still mine? He's another one of my favorite singers. I think Cliff these days definitely takes first place in my favorites. But, you know, Matt Monroe was the first time I heard it and loved his version. But I think Cliff just has a way of making every song his own, whether it's emotionally or just singing it. He makes it his. And it doesn't matter how many other people have sung it. He's doing it almost as if he's the first one to have ever sung it. Lonely rivers flow to the sea, to the sea, to the open arms of the sea. Lonely breezes cry, wait for me, wait for me. I'll be coming home, wait for me. And I think maybe the temptation would have been to, and we'll get to the song Temptation in a little bit, but the temptation would have been to have Cliff sing this with an orchestra rather than have the shadows back him. And I think it was a wise move because yeah. the shadows arrangement is a bit like their arrangement of the Santo and Johnny song Sleepwalk. So it has a kind of dreamy quality to it. I just always like how Cliff can just sort of make you forget everything else and and listen to him hence the title of the album yeah and uh the next cut is idle gossip a 1953 hit for perry como this was written by joseph meyer and floyd huddleston and this was recorded on november 17th 1960 i'm starting to see a pattern here where the songs cliff recorded with an orchestra in 1960 are just not as strong as the ones in early 61 um not a big fan of this one to be honest now and then, let's stop and kiss While we're out walking Someone's sure to notice this And they'll start talking In their idle gossip 
they may say that I love you. Um, yeah, it's it's neither here nor there. I suppose you could say it's not my first choice of song. Yeah, I'm right there with you. The next song on side one is First Lesson in Love. Not to be confused with Lessons in Love. That's coming later. Um, it was recorded on October 13th, 1960, the day before Cliff's 20th birthday. And it's another Pete Chester and Bruce Welsh collaboration. Boy, these guys are cranking them out. They're on a roll here. This is another beat ballad, as our friend Pat Murphy would say, along the lines of Where Is My Heart and Thinking of Our Love. And I think it's great. Said she'd be ever true Turn right round and sit with through I've just had my first lesson in love People say that love's for fools And I agree Well, my first lesson didn't turn out for me I won't say really popular, but it is one of the more popular ones amongst fans. Um, it was actually suggested at one point that Bruce wrote it with Hank, but mm. it would seem that that's incorrect. It was Pete Chester that wrote it. You know, I didn't know anything about Pete Chester until uh, Andrew Hickey was on the program, and he mentioned that Pete Chester was the son of comedian Charlie Chester. I found out some other stuff. For one, he was a drummer as well as a songwriter, and he also had an instrumental combo and put out records. The next song, I think, is one of the highlights of the standards. It's a Learner and Low classic from January 4th, 1961, almost like being in love. And this is another one featuring Bernard Ebbinghouse's orchestra. So I guess we should mention that when Nari Paramore and his orchestra are doing the tracks, Tony Meehan is on drums. Tony Meehan is not playing on this. This is all Bernard and his boys, and this is another one of those strong 1961 tracks featuring Cliff and an orchestra swinging hard here, and whoever's playing Vibes is knocking it out of the park. What a day this has been what a rare mood I'm in Why it's almost like being in love There's a smile on my face For the whole human race Why it's almost like being in love It was written for the musical Brigadoon. You consider picture Frank Sinatra singing it there, although, I mean, he did sing it. What a rare mood I'm in Why, it's almost like being in love 
Next up, we get the craziest song on the album. It's certainly the most unique arrangement in Cliff's career thus far in the timeline we're covering. Uh, it's Beat Out Dat Rhythm on a Drum. It's Bizet's Carmen, but written uh, with Oscar Hammerstein. It was sort of a revised version for the updated play, uh, Carmen Jones. And this is interesting. You know, it's another heavy rhythm piece, uh, much like what I'd say in a way, but with Bernard Ebbinghaus again. And I'm just grateful that Cliff doesn't sing it with the dat, D-A-T, in the title, and he just sings it straight. The sweetness of the music I like the sweetness of the music But that ain't why I wanna dance There's something thumping in the bass That bump on bumping under music That thump on thumping under music Is all I need to start me off I don't need nothing else to start me off I think the music on its own, as it starts, you're sort of wanting to listen to it and see what they're going to come up with because it's just got that, you know, listen to me beat to it. It keeps you listening. Uh, and it is a really sort of upbeat, like happy song. As opposed to the next one, uh, which is another Bruce Welsh and Pete Chester original, Memories Linger On, recorded on July 26th, 1960. This reminds me of a melancholy song of the variety that Brian Wilson would have written later for the Beach Boys, a song like In My Room or Surfer Girl. I mean, it doesn't have harmonies on it, but it has this kind of wistful flavor. Memories linger on When love's dead and gone My heart starts to fret Because I can't forget Every night it seems Even though this was recorded with the shadows, at some point in the song, strings come in, and that's got to be Nari Paramore's idea to combine the shadows with strings. And it's also... I guess his idea to have so many originals from Bruce Welsh and Pete Chester. I just think he was lucky to have Nori Paramore in his early days to guide him along. You know, you look at people these days and they really struggle to make a name for themselves. Having Nori Paramore, somebody who knew what he was doing, helped Cliff to do that much better than maybe he would have done. I agree. In fact, I think Nori has historically been undervalued as a uh, producer and record manager. I mean, think of what he was to Cliff. He was all of these things. In fact, Cliff has even referred to Nari as being kind of a second father to him. Yeah. I think part of the reason Nari has been undervalued and underrated is because the music that he specialized in on his own with the Nari Paramore Orchestra would fall under the category of easy listening, which is frowned upon by rock fans. But I've got news for you. The world does not revolve around rock music and what rock fans think. Certainly not these days where young people are generally not listening to rock music and probably regard it in much the same way rock fans regard it easy listening. Uh, moving on. So the next track on the album 
is Temptation, and this was recorded on November 17, 1960, uh, written by Nacio Herb Brown and Arthur Freed. This one is growing on me. Um, the arrangement sounds somewhat exotic, uh, almost like I could hear it on the soundtrack to the Elvis Presley movie Harem Scarum. You came, I was alone I should have known you were temptation You smiled, luring me on My heart was gone, you were temptation while I was listening, I was thinking I could just sort of picture this bullfight as the music was playing. There are sort of parts in it where it uh, replicates the bolero. Yes. Um, Torval and Dean, I don't know if you know them, the ice skaters. Mm-mm, no. They danced to the bolero in a competition that they were doing. And that's sort of become the thing to dance to, you know. Next up, we have a song written by Pete Chester and Hank Marvin. I guess Bruce Welsh had to get up and grab some lunch, so Hank Marvin took over there. (laughs) It's uh, I Live For You, recorded April Fool's Day, 1960. I don't think that was prophetic, but um, yeah, this is a song that sounds a little similar to Every Day by Buddy Holly. It's an okay album cut. Now my heart is broken, what can I do? I must go on living Even without you When you knew Yes, you knew I live for you Every day It's a getting closer Going faster than a roller coaster Love like yours will Surely come my way Hey, hey, hey Yeah, and possibly not intended for the album was added moving on the next song on the album is cliff's version of sentimental journey this of course was a big number written primarily by les brown for uh, his band and doris day introduced this song and this was her very first signature song until quesara took over and this is another bernard ebbinghouse and his orchestra special um It's interesting as an experiment, because even though Sentimental Journey, the melody, the vocal melody is somewhat monotone in every version. It's kind of supposed to be. I think Cliff's version is maybe even more so. Gonna take a sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease Gonna take a sentimental journey To renew old memories Packed my bag, I've gotten my reservation Spent each dime I could afford It just didn't speak to me like some of the other 
Cliff songs do. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not one of his better ones. The next song on side two of Listen to Cliff is a cover of a Fats Domino song. Fats Domino and Dave Bartholomew wrote this song, I Want You to Know. Uh, The mono and stereo versions are different, but no matter which version you're listening to, the shadows are rocking. Cliff is totally in his element, and this is a much-needed, after a couple of songs that were hit or miss, a much-needed standout track. Can't you see what she does to me? She leaves my poor heart in a misery, oh boy. Cliff and the Shadows doing what they do best. Someone could, if they wanted to, separate all of the Cliff and the Shadows songs from both Cliff Sings and Listen to Cliff and create a separate Cliff and the Shadows rock and roll album. And then you could take all of the songs with Cliff singing along with Nori Paramore and his orchestra and also Bernard Ebbinghaus's orchestra and have uh, Cliff Sings the Standards album. There is a Cliff Sings the Standards album. Here, I thought I had a great idea. What did I know? It was already done. (laughs) Well, I hope that the next track is on that because I think this is one of the big standouts from this record. And it's a Rodgers and Hammerstein song from The King and I, We Kiss in a Shadow, the Nori Paramore Orchestra, along with Tony Meehan, who again gets the award for most valuable player because he's on most everything. We speak in a whisper Afraid to be heard When people are near We speak not a word Alone in our secret Together we sigh in a lot of the songs on this album you can still hear the immaturity of his voice but mm-hmm. um, I think the thing is he's always sort of pushed himself to do his best and you know that even comes across in his earlier days where you know it's always got to be as good as I can do it and he will keep pushing until he's got it right And we mentioned this when we talked about the Cliff Sings album, even when there are performances that aren't as good as other performances, there is still a charm in someone so young going outside of their comfort zone and attempting material that is largely outside of the scope of other rock and rollers around that time. He's already beyond his peers. There are very few rock and rollers that could have pulled this material off. Elvis Presley could have done an incredible job with so many standards. It's just very sad, almost tragic that he never recorded a a bunch of them because if there was anybody who could have really done an incredible album of standards that would have turned heads, it would have been Elvis. Here we go comparing Elvis and Cliff again. But uh, (laughs) let's wrap up the album with the last song. It's called It's You. 
written by Pete Chester and Bruce Welsh again. And this was recorded on July 26, 1960. So this is very early in the game, even before they had an album in mind, probably. And this is an example of perfect teen pop. Despite the words ding-a-ling-a-ling popping up (laughs) in the lyrics, I think it's still pretty good and a good note to go out on. Just sitting Waiting All alone Then ding A ling A ling My heart Began to sing It's you It's actually one of two songs that are titled It's You. There was another one written in 78, written by Chris Eaton. It was actually written for Dave Pope's um, Sail Away album. So it's a case of don't confuse the two. But this is the Bruce Walsh and Peter Chester one. I want to thank you so much for appearing on this sequel episode because in a way listen to cliff is so similar to the earlier cliff sings album i'm so glad we got to reconvene and do it again so tell us about your two programs on the internet radio station cliff richard radio i do a saturday night show called uh, saturday night takeaway with cliff and friends and i also do a monday night show called monday night jukebox They're both at 8 o'clock UK time on Cliff Richard Radio. And it can be found at www.cliffrichardradio.co.nz. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cliff Richard Radio's Terry Hope about the Listen to Cliff album of 1961. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can email me. It's we say yeah podcast at gmail.com. I have started a Twitter. I don't have anything really on there. <laughs> but uh, if you look for We Say Yeah on Twitter, it's there. And also Facebook. We Say Yeah over on Facebook. That's the big push this time. If you're on Facebook, look for We Say Yeah. Like it, live it, love it, as I always say. And uh, next month, it's back to the shadows. Back in the shadows we go for a review of the Shadows to the Four EP and a clip single, A Girl Like You, backed with Now's the Time to Fall in Love. So that'll be next month. Until then, thanks so much for listening. We say yeah. We say yeah. We say yeah.